section 28 of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter 8 continued samuel butler 1612 1680 in marked contrast with dryden who devoted his life to literature and won his success by hard work is samuel butler who jumped into fame by a single careless work which represents not any serious intent or effort but the pastime of an idle hour we are to remember that though the royalists had triumphed in the restoration the puritan spirit was not dead nor even sleeping and that the puritan held steadfastly to his own principles against these principles of justice truth and liberty there was no argument since they expressed the manhood of england but many of the puritan practices were open to ridicule and the royalists in revenge for their defeat began to use ridicule without mercy during the early years of the restoration doggerel verses ridiculing puritanism and burlesque that is a ridiculous representation of serious subjects or a serious representation of ridiculous subjects were the most popular form of literature with london society of all this burlesque and doggerel the most famous is butler's hudibras a work to which we can trace many of the prejudices that still prevail against puritanism of butler himself we know little he is one of the most obscure figures in our literature during the days of cromwell's protectorate he was in the employ of sir samuel luke a crabbed and extreme type of puritan nobleman and here he collected his material and probably wrote the first part of his burlesque which of course he did not dare to publish until after the restoration hudibras hudibras is plainly modeled upon the don quixote of cervantes it describes the adventures of a fanatical justice of the peace sir hudibras and of his squire ralpho in their endeavor to put down all innocent pleasures in hudibras and ralpho the two extreme types of the puritan party presbyterians and independents are mercilessly ridiculed when the poem first appeared in public in sixteen sixty three after circulating secretly for years in manuscript it became at once enormously popular the king carried a copy in his pocket and courtiers vied with each other in quoting its most scurrilous passages a second and third part continuing the adventures of hudibras were published in sixteen sixty four and sixteen sixty eight at best the work is a wretched doggerel but it was clever enough and strikingly original and since it expressed the royalist spirit towards the puritans it speedily found its place in a literature which reflects every phase of human life a few odd lines are given here to show the character of the work and to introduce the reader to the best-known burlesque in our language he was in logic a great critic profoundly skilled in analytic he could distinguish and divide a hair twixt south and southwest side on either which he would dispute confute change hands and still confute he'd undertake to prove by force of argument a man's no horse he'd run in debt by disputation and pay with ratiocination for he was of that stubborn crew of errant saints whom all men grant to be the true church militant 
such as do build their faith upon the holy text of pike and gun decide all controversies by infallible artillery and prove their doctrine orthodox by apostolic blows and knocks compound for sins they are inclined to by damning those they have no mind to hobbs and locke thomas hobbs fifteen eighty eight sixteen seventy nine is one of the writers that puzzle the historian with a doubt as to whether or not he should be included in the story of literature the one book for which he is famous is called leviathan or the matter form and power of a commonwealth sixteen fifty one it is partly political partly a philosophical book combining two central ideas which challenge and startle the attention namely that self-interest is the only guiding power of humanity and that blind submission to rulers is the only true basis of government Note two other principles of this book should be noted one that all power originates in the people and two that the object of all government is the common good here evidently is a democratic doctrine which abolishes the divine right of kings but hobbes immediately destroys democracy by another doctrine that the power given by the people to the ruler could not be taken away hence the royalists could use the book to justify the despotism of the stuarts on the ground that the people had chosen them this part of the book is in direct opposition to milton's defense of the english people End of note in a word hobbes reduced human nature to its purely animal aspects and then asserted confidently that there was nothing more to study certainly therefore as a reflection of the underlying spirit of charles and his followers it has no equal in any purely literary work of the time john locke sixteen thirty two seventeen o four is famous as the author of a single great philosophical work the essay concerning human understanding sixteen ninety this is a study of the nature of the human mind and of the origin of ideas which far more than the work of bacon and hobbes is the basis upon which english philosophy has since been built aside from their subjects both works are models of the new prose direct simple convincing for which dryden and the royal society labored they are known to every student of philosophy but are seldom included in a work of literature note locke's treatises on government should also be mentioned for they are of profound interest to american students of history and political science it was from locke that the framers of the declaration of independence and of the constitution drew many of their ideas and even some of their most striking phrases all men are endowed with certain inalienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness the origin and basis of government is in the consent of the governed these and many more familiar and striking expressions are from locke it is interesting to note that he was appointed to draft a constitution for the new province of carolina but his work was rejected probably because it was too democratic for the age in which he lived evelyn and pepys these two men john evelyn sixteen twenty seventeen o six and samuel pepys sixteen thirty three seventeen o three are famous as the writers of diaries in which they jotted down the daily occurrences of their own lives 
without any thought that the world would ever see or be interested in what they had written evelyn was the author of silva the first book on trees and forestry in english and terra which is the first attempt at a scientific study of agriculture but the world has lost sight of these two good books while it cherishes his diary which extends over the greater part of his life and gives us vivid pictures of society in his time and especially of the frightful corruption of the royal court pepys diary pepys began life in a small way as a clerk in a government office but soon rose by his diligence and industry to be secretary of the admiralty here he was brought into contact with every grade of society from the king's ministers to the poor sailors of the fleet being inquisitive as a blue jay he investigated the rumors and gossip of the court as well as the small affairs of his neighbors and wrote them all down in his diary with evident interest but because he chattered most freely and told his little book a great many secrets which were not well for the world to know he concealed everything in shorthand and here again he was like the blue jay which carries off and hides every bright trinket it discovers the diary covers the years from sixteen sixty to sixteen sixty nine and gossips about everything from his own position and duties at the office his dress the kitchen and cook and children to the great political intrigues of office and the scandals of high society no other such minute picture of the daily life of an age has been written yet for a century and a half it remained entirely unknown and not until eighteen twenty five was pepys shorthand deciphered and published since then it has been widely read and is still one of the most interesting examples of diary writing that we possess following are a few extracts note a few slight changes and omissions from the original text as given in wheatley's edition of pepys london eighteen ninety two nine volumes are not indicated in these brief quotations End of note covering only a few days in april sixteen sixty three from which one may infer the minute and interesting character of the work that this clerk politician president of the royal society and general busybody wrote to please himself april first i went to the temple to my cousin roger pepys to see and talk with him a little who tells me that with much ado the parliament do agree to throw down popery but he says it is with so much spite and passion and an endeavor of bringing all nonconformists into the same condition that he is afeard matters will not go so well as he could wish to my office all the afternoon lord how sir j minns like a mad coxcomb did swear and stamp swearing that commissioner pett hath still the old heart against the king that ever he had and all the damnable reproaches in the world at which i was ashamed but said little but upon the whole i find him still a fool led by the nose with stories told by sir w batten whether with or without reason so vexed in my mind to see things ordered so unlike gentlemen or men of reason i went home and to bed third 
to whitehall and to chapel which being most monstrous full i could not go into my pew but sat among the choir dr creton the scotchman preached a most admirable good learned honest and most severe sermon yet comical he railed bitterly ever and anon against john calvin and his brood the presbyterians and against the present term now in use of tender consciences he ripped up hugh peters calling him an execrable skellum his preaching and stirring up the maids of the city to bring in their botkins and thimbles thence going out of whitehall i met captain grove who did give me a letter directed to myself from himself i discerned money to be in it and took it knowing as i found it to be the proceed of the place i have got him the taking up of vessels for tangier but i did not open it till i came home to my office and there i broke it open not looking into it till all the money was out that i might say i saw no money in the paper if ever i should be questioned about it there was a piece of gold and four pounds in silver fourth to my office home to dinner whither by and by comes roger pepys etc very merry at uh, before and after dinner and the more for that my dinner was great and most neatly dressed by our own only maid we had fricassee of rabbits and chickens a leg of mutton boiled three carps in a dish a great dish of a side of lamb a dish of roasted pigeons a dish of four lobsters three tarts a lamprey pie a most rare pie a dish of anchovies good wine of several sorts and all things mighty noble and to my great content fifth lord's day up and spent the morning till the barber came in reading in my chamber part of osborne's advice to his son which i shall not ever enough admire for sense and language and being by and by trimmed to church myself wife ashwell etc home and while dinner was prepared to my office to read over my vows with great affection and to very good purpose then to church again where a simple bawling young scot preached nineteenth easter day up and this day put on my clothes need colored suit which with new stockings of the color with belt and new gilt-handled sword is very handsome to church alone and after dinner to church again where the young scotchman preaching i slept all the while after supper fell in discourse of dancing and i find that ashwell hath a very fine carriage which makes my wife almost ashamed of herself to see herself so outdone but to-morrow she begins to learn to dance for a month or two so to prayers and to bed will being gone with my leave to his father's this day for a day or two to take physique these holy days twenty third st george's day and coronation the king and court being at windsor at the installing of the king of denmark by proxy and the duke of monmouth spent the evening with my father at cards till late and being at supper my boy being sent for some mustard to a neat's tongue the rogue stayed half an hour in the streets it seems at a bonfire at which i was very angry and resolved to beat him to-morrow 
24th up betimes and with my salt eel went down into the parlor and there got my boy and did beat him till i was fain to take breath two or three times yet for all i am afeard it will make the boy never the better he is grown so hardened in his tricks which i am sorry for he being capable of making a brave man and is a boy that i and my wife love very well summary of the restoration period the chief thing to note in england during the restoration is the tremendous social reaction from the restraints of puritanism which suggests the wide swing of a pendulum from one extreme to the other for a generation many natural pleasures had been suppressed now the theatres were reopened bull and bear baiting revived and sports music dancing a wild delight in the pleasures and vanities of this world replaced that absorption in otherworldliness which characterized the extreme of puritanism in literature the change is no less marked from the elizabethan drama playwrights turned to coarse evil scenes which presently disgusted the people and were driven from the stage from romance writers turned to realism from italian influence with its exuberance of imagination they turned to france and learned to repress the emotions to follow the head rather than the heart and to write in a clear concise formal style according to set rules poets turned from the noble blank verse of shakespeare and milton from the variety and melody which had characterized english poetry since chaucer's day to the monotonous heroic couplet with its mechanical perfection the greatest writer of the age is john dryden who established the heroic couplet as the prevailing verse form in english poetry and who developed a new and serviceable prose style suited to the practical needs of the age the popular ridicule of puritanism in burlesque and doggerel is best exemplified in butler's hudibras the realistic tendency the study of facts and of men as they are is shown in the work of the royal society in the philosophy of hobbes and locke and in the diaries of evelyn and pepys with their minute pictures of social life the age was one of transition from the exuberance and vigor of renaissance literature to the formality and polish of the augustan age in strong contrast with the preceding ages comparatively little of restoration literature is familiar to modern readers suggestive questions one what marked change in social conditions followed the restoration how are these changes reflected in literature two what are the chief characteristics of restoration literature why is this period called the age of french influence what new tendencies were introduced what effect did the royal society and the study of science have upon english prose what is meant by realism by formalism three what is meant by the heroic couplet explain why it became the prevailing form of english poetry what are its good qualities and its defects name some well-known poems which are written in couplets how do dryden's couplets compare with chaucer's can you explain the difference four give a brief account of dryden's life what are his chief poetical works for what new object did he use poetry is satire a poetical subject why is a poetical satire more effective than a satire in prose 
what was dryden's contribution to english prose what influence did he exert on our literature five what is butler's hudibras explain its popularity read a passage and comment upon it first as satire second as a description of the puritans is hudibras poetry why six name the philosophers and political economists of this period can you explain why hobbes should call his work leviathan what important american documents show the influence of locke seven tell briefly the story of pepys and his diary what light does the latter throw on the life of the age is the diary a work of literature why chronology last half of the seventeenth century history sixteen forty nine execution of charles the first sixteen forty nine to sixteen sixty commonwealth sixteen sixty restoration of charles the second sixteen sixty five sixteen sixty six plague and fire of london war with holland sixteen sixty seven dutch fleet in the thames sixteen eighty rise of whigs and tories sixteen eighty five james the second monmouth's rebellion sixteen eighty eight english revolution william of orange called to throne sixteen eighty nine bill of rights toleration act literature sixteen fifty one hobbes leviathan sixteen sixty sixteen sixty nine pepys diary sixteen sixty two royal society founded sixteen sixty three butler's hudibras sixteen sixty seven milton's paradise lost dryden's annus mirabilis sixteen sixty three sixteen ninety four dryden's dramas sixteen seventy one paradise regained sixteen seventy eight pilgrim's progress published sixteen eighty one dryden's absalom and achitophel sixteen eighty seven newton's principia proves the law of gravitation sixteen ninety locke's human understanding sixteen ninety eight jeremy collier attacks stage seventeen hundred death of dryden end of section twenty eight end of chapter eight